Hello there, and welcome to MA Fight Club. We are covering Cage Warriors 158, the entire full card for you. Event comes up this Saturday, the 29th of July. Thinking, is there UFC? There is UFC this weekend, but it's not going to be for later today. This could be your proverbial MMA appetite, right? So we start at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 8.30 out in California, right? 15 total bouts on the card. We're going to go over each fight for you with each fight one at a time. Do them card first, work our way all the way through the main card. I do want to say we had two fights we added like just a few hours ago. We include those fights with breakdown, but we'll go over them and we can say that those fights are going to take those the first two five as we go through. And each fight, one fight at a time, pros and cons, each fighter, getting spots we like. From a betting perspective, that, last week, Cage Warriors 1 through 7, Rafferty's only had the main card available from the perspective. We're just talking about great winners, winning lines, right? I have a feeling the same thing will be available this weekend. So if you want to bet the full card, you're going to need a little bit more broader access to the FanDuel of DraftKings. Matter of fact, FanDuel didn't even offer Cage Wars last week. Uh, so you have to be kind of a pretty hardcore D-Gen to get some action on this card. But I love covering Cage Wars because there's fighters who go in and out of there from the UFC and vice versa. And a matter of fact, there's a fighter on this card with recognized name, Mason Jones. Who had an okay run of the UFC? We'll talk about that fight. He got let go. Late 28 has plenty of time to sharpen his tools, get back on track, and get himself back into UFC. He fights in this card, and then you've got some guys like in the main event. Hank, the name's H-A-Q-U-E, hard to pronounce for me, but Hank, here's a guy who's fought names you'll recognize. As a matter of fact, fought three guys in the past that have all had UFC experience. Two of those guys are still in the UFC. So. Again, we like covering Cage Warriors because it's like on the fringe. It's like, it's like Invicta, right? For females, it's on the fringe of UFC. You get a chance to know those fighters. As a matter of fact, last weekend, when Sean, Sean Bannon fought, right? In a UFC debut, we were very familiar with her having broken down and watched her fights in Invicta. And so we get covering Cage Warriors gives us that opportunity to see fighters who we might see in the UFC in the future and make us, uh, it gives us a sort of an edge, right? Familiarity with these fighters. So. Without further ado, let's get up to this card. Oh, one more thing. The main event is a title fight for flyweight strap. Uh, let me double check my notes to make sure I'm not saying the wrong belt. Uh, but I believe, yes, that is going to be a flyweight battle for the strap. The current champion is Shaquille Kak, uh, the, the darker Middle Eastern looking guy. Uh, he's the person with the title being challenged by Michelle or Mikhail, the uh, Italian prospect who looked very good. We'll get that fight at the end, but Let's jump into the first fight in the card. Let me go ahead here and start with that first exact fight that I have. According to Tapology, you forgive me, because as you know on Tapology, things do change. Uh, let me go ahead here and pull up our screen, our little handy data screen. So yeah, according to Tapology, we'll screw on here. That first fight should be Florian Daskja versus Amir Malikpour. If I am butchering names, forgive me. I'll probably choose a first or a last name, like right here, Florian versus Amir. Uh, uh, that would be easier for me. They're trying to pronounce those last names. I'll pull up their basics for you guys and then jump right into the breakdown. So prelim card fight, 130 pounders. Uh, Florian is 5-2 and two in his last seven fights, 3-2 and two in his last five from Albania. Now based out of Italy. That's notable because this event's being held in Italy, right? He's 32, according to Tapology, 5'6", not very tall, and has trained out of a few gyms like Aurora Mixed Martial Arts and La Finice ASD. As for Amir Malikpour, less information, no age on him. He's out of Sweden, 4-2 and two overall, and 2, I'm sorry, 3-1-1 three, three, one one in his last five. 
no age again. Uh, Height-wise, should be about two inches taller according to Tapology, but you know, I wouldn't hold hold your breath on this because this information is going to be spotty. He's out of Pancras Gym in Sweden, which I believe is a pretty good gym. I kind of feel like that name has come across the wire a few times before. Uh, nonetheless, let me get into my notes here on this fight and give you guys the verdict. We're going to go with Florian to win this fight here by round one submission. That's Florian Doskja, D-O-S-K-J-A. So Amir is a Swedish kickboxer. He prefers to keep the fight standing. He works very good at range and has a strong jab. Strong meaning, number one, good technique, right in the pipe, and like literally lands with some strength. He also has a variety of kicks. One area he can prove upon, though, is his striking volume gets caught doing the like proverbial staring at his opponent instead of just letting his hands go, right? Um, he has six pro finish. I'm sorry. He has six, he's been finished. He has, oh my gosh. Amir has been finished twice in his six pro fights. That's a bit of a red flag. Young, little experience, and getting finished against amateur competition, basically, right? He was also finished in his last amateur bout, speaking of amateur competition. The lack of durability against lower-level competition, it's a huge red flag. I mean, it's one thing you're getting knocked out against higher-level guys. It's one thing if you have one submission loss here or there against lower... But his his rate of getting finished right now is pretty high for, again, the competition he's facing. He's been submitted on multiple occasions, and his chin is the even bigger issue because if you watch him on, feel, on, on film, excuse me, Amir, what you notice about him is he gets chin-checked and dropped even in fights that he wins. On one side, it's a half glass, half full. On one side, he's winning some of those fights and coming back. So you're like, all right, the guy's got, he's got balls. He comes back. He's, he's got survival skills. That's all true. But, dude, you're getting chin-checked and dropped a lot. I'm trying to think of a, like, a, like a Nate Landwehr. I use that name a lot, but it's for that example. Here's a guy who's not going to give up. He's not going to go out with one knockdown. He's not. Not that kind of guy. But he's going to get dropped. <laughs> he's going to hit the canvas at some point. And if you like him here, he probably does that at some point and maybe still comes back and gives Florian a, a test. Now, as for Florian, he has similar fight experience. He has two pro defeats as well. The difference is he's never been finished, not as a pro and not as an amateur. Four of his five wins are by submission, so we know he likes to grapple, and so does Amir, by the way. For Florian, he does not waste any time trying to get the fight to the ground. I would expect him to shoot for a takedown within the first minute, if not the first 30 seconds of the fight. Without question, Florian requires grappling success to win his fights. Now, conveniently for him, Malik Poor has been submitted multiple times, as we mentioned before. So on paper, this is an ideal matchup for Doska, Florian Doska, that is. The one glaring weakness we have for Florian is his striking. He can be picked apart with a basic jab, and he's one of those guys where, or guys or gals who tends to wear damage quickly. And it's just different, genetics, whatever, but he tends to wear damage quickly. He swells up bloody nose the whole nine and that's just not a good look in a close fight didn't we just see that fight with davy grant right davy grant lost the fight last weekend in ufc 2 or ufc london and a lot of people were upset about the results and i agree it was i kind of thought he won but because his nose was all bloody and because he appeared as if he got the the, the worst end of it that's supposedly the, the biggest part of the judging criteria. I don't know. It's from fight to fight. But Florian is the kind of guy where he could show himself, uh, in the case of Amir, not so much the case. Just seems to have more leather skin. Anyway, uh, let me get back to the breakdown here. So we like Florian Doska's chances of picking up his second submission win in a row. 
the betting spots here, the fight not going to the full distance, and Florian Doska by submission, along with Doska by round one submission. His resume suggests round one, round two. Amir, you know, again, he's not good in that area. He tends to expose himself. We could even see a club and sub of some kind. Let's move on. Emanuele, or just Emmanuel, Menicelli, which I don't, again, do not hold me to the pronunciations. If you know these fighters, uh, lo siento, I apologize in advance, but uh, in advance, Emmanuel Menicelli versus Dario Paloza. Paloza, not, not such hard of a, bad, hard, not such hard of a name. I'm going to go with Manuel and Dario for the sake of this breakdown. So Paloza, a.k.a. Dario, I just said I'm calling him Dario. Uh, we like Dario by decision. That is our prediction. Let's pull up their profile here on the screen for you guys to take a little gander at. And here we go. Oh, no, wrong, wrong fight. How about this? And looks like they've already changed, uh, <laughs> changed some stuff on me here, right? Okay, here we go. I got this. Share this tab instead. All right, there we go. So here's the boys up here. Emmanuel Teti Menicelli versus Dario Paloza. All right. Maybe I can I zoom out here a little bit, a little bit too much, right? Maybe I just need to scroll down and blow up my screen. Let me see here. Okay. All right. So we got these two cats out here, a flyweight bout, 125 pounders. As for their basics, Mr. Minicelli is zero and zero. It's his first pro fight. Italian with no other information, right? <laughs> no height, no age, no prior weight. Out of Aurora Mixed Martial Arts, which actually is a pretty good gym. As for Palazzo, who goes by the Ant, he's 0-1, in his last five. Also from Italy, we do have age on him, 30 years old, and he's out of Combat Academy. So look, it's spotty information. This fight's probably not going to be on our top level from a betting perspective, but we'll give you the breakdown, give you some information and some things that we saw on film. Speaking of film, if you want to access our film library, it's free and it's easy to do. There's a link down below to get to our newsletter. And in our newsletter, we publish, we, we give you access to our online Google Drive where you can see this newsletter, I mean, this Excel sheet right here. I'm going to show that tab with you. This Excel sheet right here, which kind of gives you some nodes, some overviews. On the right-hand side over here, as you can see, these green links are, are links to prior fights. So if you want to save yourself some time and have to scour the web for film links of these guys who are like, you know, foreign fighters and sometimes the spellings and stuff we save you some time here that film library is available for every single card breakdown we do whether it's invicta the belly it's pfl ufc so on and so forth uh we didn't go to the full extent of evaluating them in terms of our rating scale in the middle here that part where we go over experience and iq and stuff but we gave you our prop bet sort of angles in that section their basics and then the people we like to win or lose and of course, we have sort of a, a system here. A W means they're gonna we like them to win. An asterisk means we kind of like them to win. A W with an a, up arrow next to it means we're super duper confident. And so that's kind of a rating system for us. If you see a red box like that over there, that just means that we have a concern about that statistic. So for the case of that fighter, Naglas Keniskowskis, oh geez, tough name. He's 22 years old. He's young. That's one of the concerns we have. Or the case of James Power, only been a pro for two years. So we highlight that throughout the the sort of like the Excel sheet for you guys. Anyway, let's get back to this fight here. So Mr. Manuel Minicelli versus Dario Paloza. 
And we have two guys that combined have one total pro fight. And so what we know off the rip is that we're talking about guys with a lack of experience, right? And so we're looking at amateur resumes, if they have them. Film is spotty. In the case of Peloza, he does have a pro fight. We watched that fight. He got finished pretty quickly. You, know, you take from it what you can. So like Peloza by decision, that's our prediction. For Peloza, he lost his only pro day, only pro fight, like I said, by, by submission. That was last year. Now, prior to that, he went three and two as an amateur. Okay. Five amateur fights. He has several distinct advantages in this fight. For example, he has way more MMA experience. MMA experience. I'm going to emphasize that. Peloza has six MMA bouts under his belt over the last five years. Amateur and pro combined. In comparison, Manichelli is making his MMA pro debut and hasn't fought a fight according to Tapology in four years. Now, Muay Thai is his base. He's a Muay Thai fighter. That would be the last fight that should appear in his resume. And again, it's about four years ago. Based upon the film we saw on Manichelli, because there is film on him, Manichelli, he has good striking, the elbows, the speed. He has the faster hands. Peloso's not a very good striker, actually. And so unless Manichelli gets like squashed up and dirty boxed, he should have the distance and range advantage and the volume and it will look good. Peloso, though, likes to work into the clinch right away. So if he does that and he closes distance and makes it ugly and gets a takedown, you imagine a guy like Peloso, who's still 0-1 as a pro and didn't look good in his pro debut and you know, three and two is an amateur. You're like, eh, probably going to have a massive advantage in the grappling area and will look to take the fight to the ground. If he doesn't do that... <laughs> Yes, uh, Manuel Minichelli probably wins this fight going away with better striking and volume and kicks in the whole nine. So, yeah, don't overexpose yourself here. Uh, a lot of blind spots. There's inactivity on the side of, of Minichelli, and it just seems like a fight to, to fill the roster or fill the spot here for a prelim fight card uh, or prelim fight. So we're not going to have any betting here. No betting angle and, and no betting advice. But we're going to go with Pelosa to win the fight by decision. Let's move on. Next fight is going to be another Manuel. This one is going to be the same spelling. Emanuele, it looks like, but I think it's just Manuel. Manuel Sabatino versus Aaron Johnson. A lightweight fight. Let me pull up their profile for you guys right here. So we have the back-to-back -back with the Manuels on this uh, fight card. All right, so there it is. Manuel Sabatino versus Aaron Johnson. Lightweight bout, 155 pounders. And for Manuel Sabatino, good-looking guy, right? Got like a little bit of a Clark Kent type of feel to him. Oh, his nickname is Clark Kent. Mind is blown. I didn't even actually say that because I thought it was the, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> blown mind. 4-1 overall for the young prospect from Italy. He's 27 years young. He's six foot one in height, very tall, long, good physique, by the way, very balanced. This guy could probably be a model if this MMA thing doesn't work out. Cardano top team in the crew is where he trains out of. As for Mr. Johnson, who goes by the catfish. That's a hell of a nickname. Not really sure what that implies, but are you catfishing people or are you fishermen? I don't know. But Aaron the Johnson catfish, 7-3 overall, 3 to his last five. He hails from England, not too far away, but he will be the foreign invader, right? We have no age on him and Manchester. England. We did watch film on Aaron Johnson, though. We had a chance to watch him. We had a chance to watch Sabatino, so we have a good feel for this fight, and uh, we do like Sab Sabatino, Sabatino to win the fight. Let me give you 
the details here. So Sabatino by decision is the prediction. Richard Sabatino is coming off of a win last fall in his first bout with Cage Warriors. He's a, a he's a strong wrestler, grappler. Striking is okay. He's off to a very good start as a professional. Went four and four as an amateur. Kind of struggled there. He's pushing a very high pace, moving forward. Excellent cardio, good endurance, and we talked about before. He will initiate grappling within the first few seconds of the fight. He won't waste time. The first exchange they have, he's going to grapple. His strong cardio, the pace and pressure, the ability to wrestle for 15 minutes, that's his weapon. Now, his striking is vanilla at best. There's no power there. Doesn't sit down on punches. Kind of does a little bit of pitter-patter. And so... Yeah, the biggest critique, biggest our, our biggest critique, excuse me, of him is his lack of finishing ability. All of his pro wins have been via decision, and three of his four amateur wins were also by decision. You know, you're talking seven, eight wins there on his whole total career, all by decision. He employs a safe fighting style that's predicated on control time. If you're looking for looking for fight the night on this card, it's not going to be a fight that he's involved with, especially if he's winning. Now, as for Mr. Aaron Johnson, the catfish man, he's making this short trip over here from England to try to upset the native here from Italy, right? So the Italian fighter is the home court advantage fighter. For Johnson, he came up short in his Cage Warriors debut last year. Now, one thing we didn't like about that fight was that Johnson's willingness to just backpedal and fight off the back foot. I say it all the time. I'm going to say it again. The Amir Albazi fight with our guy Kai Car France. And people were just up in arms about how would they give the fight to Amir. And I will stand pat on this. I think that, yes, it appeared that that maybe Kaikara France won. Duffy won certain portions of the fight. But because Kaikara France was literally backing up so much in that first round or two, he just gave that. You can't give rounds away. Not to good fighters. People say, oh, it's just one. You can't give rounds away to good fighters. In the case of Kakar France, if he just simply stood his ground more in rounds one and two and gave a little more volume and took a, you know, just took a little more of a risk, he wins those rounds. But it's just human nature. You see somebody backpedaling constantly. It's like, is that guy engaging? Is he running from the fight? You know, it's just, and with Mr. Johnson here, his last fight. This guy was on the back foot the entire time. It allowed his opponent to set the pace. And backpedaling, by the way, against a guy like Sabatino is going to make him completely fair game for takedowns. It'll make it easier for Sabatino to take him down. Another red flag we have here for Mr. Johnson is durability. He's been finished in all three of his defeats. Now, fortunately for him, again, Sabatino is not the kind of guy who's going to go out there and knock you out. So Johnson probably makes it through the entire fight. He just probably gets out-wrestled as well. The over 1.5 rounds and fight goes the distance, along with Sabatino as a parlay piece. Those are the betting spots we like the most for this fight. Let's move on. Tough name here. We got Giacomo Mikolas versus Idris M. Riovili. I want to say ravioli there. It's it's not ravioli. It's Idris, I-D-R-I-S-S-M. Riovili versus Giacomo Mikulis. It is a welterweight bout. Let me pull up the profile for you guys here to take a glance at. And uh, there we go. So again, welterweight bout, 170 pounders. And Mr. 
Michalese, who goes by the Boar, is 4-1 overall. He's from Italy, so he'll be the home country fighter, 28 years old. He's six foot high out of combat team in Aurora Mixed Martial Arts. As for Mr. M. Riovelli, the French fighter, he's 2-1 overall, so not much experience. 5'10 in height, no age out of MK Legion. A lot of stuff that we have to dig and find on these guys. Now, we did see film again of both these fighters, so we did get a chance to actually watch them on film. So what we're telling you is not just us, you know, wiki-capping them or just going on tapology and saying, oh, actually based upon watching some film. Let's jump into this right here and give you guys our notes. So Mikolas, the Italian fighter, the boar, by round two ground and pound is the prediction. As for the French fighter, Idris, tough name, Embryovelli, he made his pro debut in 2014. Since then, he's he's fought only twice. Let me say that again. My man fought in 2014, his first pro fight. He's fought twice since then. If that ain't a red flag. He was wrestled down easily and severely outgrappled in his last outing. That was 2022, last year. The one thing he does have is a powerful right hand. Now, though he lost his last fight, he was able to knock down his opponent in the first round. So you see that power, right? The hugest of all red flags with this guy, though, is the way he lost his last fight against Kamara. Right. Look back at M. Riavelli fight against Kamara. It's available on YouTube. My man Riavelli is not cut. He doesn't look seriously hurt. He's not stunned. He's just simply fully mounted on the ground. And he turned his back a little bit and then just starts tapping on the mat. Referee steps in. He's almost immediately on his feet, hugging his opponent like, oh, hey, man, you got me. I'm like, eyeballs are just dropping on my head like this guy has no heart at all now i say that with the idea that i'm not in there fighting but this is the visual the visual is my man is just tapping out and from all camera angles all replays it's like he didn't appear hurt he wasn't cut he just simply ah i'm in a bad position i'm tired i'm gonna tap the mat i'm not being choked i'm not cut i'm not being elbowed in the head Awful, awful look, right? And uh, so inactive, big-time questions about his motivation and hasn't fought in about a year, limited experience. I mean, what else do you have to hear? So this, to me, seems like, obviously, Miklis is getting the the fair treatment here from the matchmakers, right? For Miklis, he's a southpaw with a strong physique. His striking is not great. I'll I'll tell you right now. His striking is very... um, it's like those Dagestani guys, right, who come out there just sort of like flailing over hands to set things up, kind of like that. He also holds his hands very low at times, but he can wrestle the F out of people, and he's got a really big heart. He lost to Colangelo by decision, but go back and watch that fight. He performed well throughout the most of the fight and refused to give up. Some fighters were just packed it, and he didn't. At only 28 years old, we're expecting some big improvements from him in his striking and fighter IQ. For Miklis, he's much more active than M. Riovelli, and he's faced a superior competition. In matches between unproven prospects like this, the strength of schedule and activity are some big factors and could be deciding factors. They are for us, at least, right? M. Riovelli can't defend takedowns, and Miklis is a pretty good wrestler. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see what the matchmakers are doing with this fight. M. Riovelli is going to get victimized on the ground, and so the betting spots. The fight not going the distance, and Miklas as a parlay piece. This video is being done and broken down before the lines came out. 
So Tuesday right now of the week. So we have no idea what the lines are going to be, but our tip sheet will have everything all available for you guys, the bets, the money plays, parlays, so on and so forth. If you want access to our tip sheet, please subscribe to our newsletter. Let's keep it moving. Next fight. This is a late replacement. We didn't do a full deep dive for this fight, but we gave a glance and pretty quickly we were like, oh, <laughs> you can sort of see what they're doing here. So next fight right here, Dan Dugis versus Alexander Sasha Pirev. So Dan versus Alexander. All right. Bantamweight bout, 139 pounders. And uh, we've got Mr. Dan Dugis, 8-2 and two overall. 3-2 and two in his last five out of the Netherlands. No age on him out of Gracie Barra OSS, but looks pretty young. Looks younger than my man over here. Alexander Sasha Peterev. A little more no, a little less experience, about the same, same experience. Six, three, and one, eight and two, same experience. <laughs> he's two and three in his last five out of Moldova. Now based out of Rome, Italy. He's 37, so he's probably older than Mr. Dugis. He's out of American top team in Rome. Okay. As for our notes here, so we like Mr. Dugis, Dan Dugis, the fighter from Netherlands, to win by round two triangle choke. Very specific method of finishing here we have for Mr. Dugis. If you look at his topology, it, it'll make some sense. So this bout was a late addition. We did do a full dive and didn't watch film at all. These guys. That's my full disclosure, right? But when you watch it, when you look at the topology, there's a few things right away that kind of spark like immediate like red flags or concerns. On the side of, for example, Piriev, he has not fought since 2018. Boom, right there, five year gap, not good. <laughs> the long layoff. He's 37. Last time he fought, he was 32. It's, it's enough to fade him right there. Now, prior to the layoff, he was two and three in his last five, and he had been knocked out in two of those three losses. He also earned two wins by submission, so it seems like submission would be like his path to victory. We have no idea what to expect from this guy, Sasha. He could look rusty as all hell. He could look maybe sharper, better than ever. Your guess is as good as, good as mine. As for Dan Dugis, he's a rising prospect from Netherlands. He came into this fight off of a round round one submission loss to Nathan Fletcher earlier this year. Now, Fletcher is 8-1, a good prospect himself, so it's not a terrible loss all the way around there for Dan Dugis. Now, Dugis has fought seven times since the last time the period fought. <laughs> I mean, just Those numbers are just wild, right? During that time, Dugis has sharpened his skills. He's notched two fights already in Cage Wars. to be his third, of course. So for us, like barring a mental break or like him breaking a leg, a physical disaster of some kind, he probably should win this fight. Five of Dujic's eight victories were the result of submission. So most of his wins are by submission and within the first two rounds. Our gut tells us that trend will continue in this fight. So the fight not going the distance and Dujic is in the distance. Those are the betting spots we like the most here. Let's move on. Gianluca. Or Gianluca, Gianluca, Gianluca. I think it's Gianluca. Gianluca Roca versus Guido Posidente. Posidente? I don't know, man. Posidente. I'm going to go Guido, Gianluca. Let's see if that gets us through this entire breakdown. Let me pull up their profiles real quickly for you guys. Give me one second here. The names are tough. They're pretty names. You know, these names, I say pretty. I sound like I'm talking ish in these guys. No, I'm not. I mean, like, legit. Like, Fancy Nancy kind of names, you know what I mean? Italian names. So we've got uh, Gianluca. Gianluca versus Guido. Lightweight bout. 
155 pounders, and Mr. Luca is seven and three overall, two and three in his last five. He's Italian, of course. He's 29, very young, five foot ten, out of a bunch of gyms: MMA Gold Fight Team, Palestra Pride, Union Sportiva, Imoles Lota. And as for Guido, he's three and zero, undefeated, but much less experience, right? He's four and one in his last five according to Tapology, which makes no sense because he's actually three and zero. He's also Italian. He's out of La Fenice, La Fenice ASD, and we have no age in the young prospect, Guido. All right, let me jump here into my notes. What I got these two characters right here. So we like Guido Posidenti by round three knockout. That is our prediction. For Mr. Guido Posidenti, he's a points fighter. Does a nice job of using his cardio as part of his arsenal. He went 2-1 and one as an amateur before going pro two years ago. He's now 3-0 and oh as a professional. His striking is a bit robotic at times. He doesn't throw many combinations. Guido should be cautious about shooting for naked takedowns. What I mean by that is like sometimes he just shoots in with no combinations ahead of it or no striking to set it up. He would be wise to set up his takedowns with strikes. Diving in naked, chin open on a platter against a guy like Luca, guy Luca, who has pretty good hands, it could lead to an immediate finish, right? As for Luca, he's one in three in his last four bouts, and he's been finished twice in his last four. It's difficult to have much confidence in him based upon his recent performances. If the fight plays out on the feet, though, for an extended period of time, he has a legit shot. Now, one area for Roca, guy Luca Roca, that he could improve upon is his endurance. As the fight progresses, his footwork slows down, his hands start to drop. At that point, Guido's going to see him getting tired. I think Guido pounces. I mean, when Guido sees someone tired, he turns up the heat. He turns up the volume, right? You know what I'm saying? The fight does not go the distance, and Guido Posidente as a potential parlay piece are the betting spots we like here for this fight. Let's move it on to the main event. Now we're to the main event. We've got Gianluca, another Gianluca. Gianluca, Gianluca, Luca. Scotelli versus Sam Kelly. We'll pull up their profiles here for you. So the Italian is Scotelli, and then Sam Kelly is coming over here from, from England, making a, a flight from across the way not too far. A band and weight bout, 135-pounders. 135, 135 for Mr. Sam Kelly goes by the Mighty Mole. He's 5-1 overall, 28 years old, 5'9 in height, out of Rio Grappling Club England and Team Guanam, along with Rio Grappling Club Manchester. As for Scotelli, the Italian, he's 8-3 overall. We have no age in him. Appears pretty young based upon looking at his fights and whatnot. He's at a shoot team academy and now based out of Italy still. Okay, that's the basics. Let's get our, our breakdown these two guys here. So Kelly by decision is the prediction. Scotelli is making his Cage Warriors debut in hopes of winning his fourth in a row. He likes to establish himself early on with lower leg kicks. For him, Leg kicks are like a jab, right? Like he sets things up, kind of me measures his distance. He tends to reset after one strike, though, instead of letting his hands go. And so combinations need to be more part of his game. One strike, reset. One strike, reset. One leg kick, reset. He does that too much. His takedown defense is a major liability. That's the big problem here for Luca in this matchup. Scotelli, and on top of that, Scotelli compounds the problem by chasing guillotines. He's that guy who pulls guard and goes for guillotines multiple times in a fight and doesn't get it, and he loses, right? As for Sam Kelly, he usually attempts to grapple in the very first exchange. He wastes no time about getting to the grappling. Considering the weaknesses in Scatelli's wrestling, 
And Kelly knows this, right? His corner knows this. His team knows this. I imagine Kelly wastes no time about getting the fight to the ground. Now, three of Kelly's five wins have been by way of submission. His experience advantage over, over his opponent and the poorest takedown defense of Scatelli is more than enough for us to like Sam Kelly in this matchup. Kelly should coast to victory in the scorecards from takedowns and position control if he doesn't find a, find a submission between the first and third round. The fight's going over 1.5 rounds, and Kelly as a parlay piece are the betting spots like the most. So again, the fight goes over 1.5 rounds, and Kelly to win. Those are the bets we're looking at. All right, let's move on here. Nico Seregli. Seregli? Oh, geez, these names are tough. Nico Seregli versus Simone Mano. Let me pull up their profile here. So Nico Saragelli, the Italian, versus Simone Mano, also an Italian. So we got two fighters here representing their home turf. It's a lightweight bout, 150 pounders. Now for Nico, he's 0-0. Zero zero. It's his professional debut. Italian, no weight, no height, out of Aurora Mixed Martial Arts, as are a handful of fighters in this fight card. For Simone Mano, he's also Italian, out of Latore Milano Gym. He is 0-1. One pro fight, and uh, yeah, not much to go off of, but we do have film on both guys. Again, check out our newsletter, go to our Google Docs, Excel sheet, you'll see the links there for prior fights, and that's part of the way we break down these fights, right? Look at their prior film. All right, so we like Nico to win by decision. That's our prediction. For Nico, he's making his pro debut after going 3-0 and as an amateur. All three of his wins were by decision as an amateur. The only two concerns we have with him are his lack of finishes and the pressure of him making his pro debut. If he sticks to a safe game plan, he should be fine. The best advice is coach, best advice you can give him as a coach or like a manager is just simply go with the wrestling, get the fight to the ground as soon as possible. He should have a noticeable advantage in the grappling exchanges. As for Mono, he's a long southpaw, vicious striking. He throws with, he throws with heat, intention, right? He can harass opponents with his kicking game. He throws body kicks, leg kicks, question mark kicks, kicks from all angles and with both legs. He can get in trouble at times, though, against heavy grapplers. He went one and one as an amateur prior to going pro last year. He lost his pro debut by round one submission. It's a reminder. He's a very one-dimensional fighter. I mean, kickboxer is really where his foundation is. Furthermore, he lacks experience and activity. It's difficult to get behind him in the spot. Now, all that said, it would not surprise me in the least bit if Manon, if Manon, if if Mano scores a knockout. Uh, he throws with a lot of heat. Kicks are pretty dangerous, and so that's part of his arsenal. I just think that a smart game plan by the Italian Nico gets the fight to the ground. Might be boring, like Nico here by decision. As for the betting spots, like for this fight, we're going to go with the fight going over one point five rounds, and Nico Saragelli as a potential parlay piece. Up the main card we go, Dumitru Gurlian. That I want to say Dimitri, but it's Dumitru Gurlian versus Leon Hill. I'm probably killing that name. <laughs> I apologize to the best I can. Much love to the uh, European faithful and my Italian brethren out there, but uh, I'm probably butchering these names. So Gurlian versus Leon Hill. It's a lightweight fight. Two guys that there's a lot to like about. Uh, a matter of fact, breaking down this fight and watching film on them, it was... It was enjoyable. These guys are, are on the way. You know, they're heading in the right direction, right? So for Marista Gurlian, he's 6-1 overall. Nice start for the Italian prospect, 28 years young, at a fight house, Verona. 
As for Leon Hill, who goes by the Hitman, he's five and one. So very similar experience out of Ireland. He's had a five fight winning streak. And so, yeah, he lost his pro debut and then just turned things around. No age in him, according to Tapology, but I believe he's around 30 years old. He's out of Team KF Martial Arts. Okay. I'll tell you what, at first glance, we were on the side of Gurlian because he's Italian, prospect. His last win was huge. I mean, big win over Cullen. But once you look at Hill on film, it's like, man, this guy's really skilled. And so we're going to go with Hill by round two submission. That's the prediction. For Gurlian, he's coming off the biggest win of his career with a knockout over Adam Cullen in his Cage Warriors debut. That was earlier this year. Now, Cullen Manu was 6-0 and at that standpoint, and the guy's a legit pro. He's good. He's good. So that was a huge win for Gurlian. Now, all of Gurlian's professional wins, all six wins, are by finish. The Italian prospect is trying to extend his winning streak to four in a row. It's a positive sign that Cage Warriors is booking him to another fight so soon. That's notable because sometimes they'll wait a year or so. That's like five, six months. It's impressive. Now, can he live up to the hype in front of the home crowd? I don't know. Might be a lot of pressure for the young man, right? As for Leon Hill, very tall, lightweight, that'll have the height and reach advantage here over Dimitru Gurlian. Hill's looking to win his sixth in a row after ripping off five straight wins. Four of his last five finishes were by way of knockout. So five finishes in a row, but four of them were by knockout, one by submission. Prior to going pro, he went five and six as an amateur, right? Tough amateur record. After losing his pro debut, he's rebounded nicely five in a row. At the very least, we know he can deal with adversity. And when you watch him on film, it's it's hard not to fall in love with the guy's abilities. Takedowns. On t- he's on top of guys. Elbowing. He's busy on the ground. Good grappling. Good at range. I mean, what's there not to like about him? I think he's a little sharper than Gurlian. He's a little more ready for this spot than Gurlian. I think Gurlian, that was a big win. And it wasn't lucky. It was just a little bit of a good fortune. So now he's got now back in the saddle here against a good opponent. I do think he'll give him all he can handle. So the fight does not go the full distance because, again, both guys, high finish rates, Gurlian and Hill. And Hill is a parlay piece. Let's keep it moving. Another Manuel. Emmanuel Zakaria versus Sylvester Miller. Not Sylvester. Sylvester with a W. Let me grab the profile here. Okay, so we've got uh, the Italian, Zakaria, against the Polish fighter, Sylvester Miller. Sylvester Miller's profile picture is like an army picture, looking very serious. For Mr. Manuel Zakaria, goes by the thug. He's 5-1 and one overall. He's 4-1 in his last five, 29 years old, 5-7 in height out of Aurora Mixed Martial Arts, as is like half his entire fight card, right? Miller is 10-6-0 overall. He's 2-3 and three in his last five out of Poland. 5-5, five five, significantly shorter. He's a bit of a wrestler. He's got that wrestler physique. Out of WCA Fight Team and Ligia Fight Club, here are our notes. We like Zakaria by round one submission. That is our prediction. Here's a fight where, based upon film, and you don't want to overreact and you know pass too much judgment, but when you watch film, sometimes you get these clues. And you're like, oh my gosh, you start seeing it, the matrix, you know. And this one here for us, when we started watching film, it was like it just became obvious to us what we could see happening here. So we do like Zakaria by round one submission. Miller is a wrestler. He depends on takedowns and position position control to secure victory. He absolutely needs to have the fight on the mat. Otherwise, he's a fish out of water. His striking lacks power, technique, and accuracy. Now, he's much like all the former wrestlers who transition to mixed martial arts. It's tough. The the fighting for them is all all grappling, right? Wrestling. If they have to strike, it's just rough. (laughs) It's, It's raw. It's overhands. 
many of them use the overhands as a way to just to move into distance, close distance, I'm sorry, and start wrestling. You know, so he does struggle with anything on the feet. Miller is one in three in his last four contests, and he hasn't had his hand raised in two years. He was also finished in two of his last four. He made his Cage Warriors debut a few years ago where he lost because of re repeated headbutts. Shit happens, right? He's still in search of his first Cage Warriors win. As for Manuel Zakaria, he's looking to win his fourth in a row. All five of his pro wins were into the distance. He's a volume fighter with good grappling. When he isn't in the cage, he's very competitive in grappling tournaments and wrestling tournaments. As a matter of fact, there were several links in our film library, again, where you can see him grappling, wrestling. So he's very active in that area of his, let's say, arsenal, right? Zakaria does his best work on the ground. Now, unofficially, four of his five wins are by submission. We say unofficially because one of them is like, you can't find the result. But <laughs> as for the bad news now, this is, a, this is Manuel Zakaria's second fight in four years. Yeah, it's one thing for an elite fighter like a John Jones to be inactive, you know? It's a whole different can of worms, and it's a, a lower-level fighter like this who's inexperienced. Even though we don't like the extended layoff, though, we're optimistic he's been competing in grappling tournaments and sharpening his BJJ skills. I mean, we don't know that. We're going to just speculate that he has. When the fight hits the mat, we think Manuel Zakaria is going to have a gigantic advantage and be live for a submission. Now, here's our last point. Miller often dives in with his head down for takedowns. His neck is wide open. We would not be surprised in the least bit if Manuel Zakaria submits him via guillotine. It's just right there for the taking, and I think Sylvester's going to put himself right in that situation where it could happen. From Benny's perspective, the fight going under two and a half rounds, fight doesn't go the full distance, and Zakaria by submission, those are the spots that we do like. Keep it moving now. Michael Pagani, Pagani versus James Power, a lightweight bout, 155-pounders. 150, Let me pull up their profile here. We have an Italian in Pagani versus a uh, English fighter in James Power. Again, a lightweight fight. As for Pagani, he's undefeated at 6-0. Out of Italy, 24 years old, 5'9 in height, nice height. Out of Mixed Martial Pro, Team KB, JJS. Mr. Power, not Powers, just Power. He's 5-0, also undefeated, similar amount of pro experience. Out of Atherton Submission Wrestling, 5'9, same, same height. No age listed, but I have to imagine Power is probably under 30, so not much older than Pagany. Two young studs, two guys heading in the right direction, a lot to like about them, and film is available, by the way, so you can watch film of these guys. It's readily available. Okay. Power by second round knockout is the prediction. This is one of the best fights in the entire card. We expect both of them to have their moment, and a matter of fact, it could be fight of the night, right? Pagany is the hometown kid looking to improve to 7-0, Powers making the short trip from England in hopes of winning his six in a row. All five of Powers' wins have come by way of knockout within the first two rounds. All of Pagany's finishes have also occurred within the first two rounds. You see where I'm going with this, right? Something has to give. The under two and a half rounds and fight not go the distance have to be on your radar here if you have a chance to bet the props. Now, Powers is southpaw that prefers to move forward. He forces his opponents to fight off their back foot and never lets them relax. This contest will mark his third fight in cage wars compared to Pagani, who's making his debut in Cage Warriors. Now, undefeated records are not all created equal, as we know. The two wins in Cage Warriors by power, in our humble opinion, are more valuable than the, all the wins of Pagani's combined record. Now, lastly, Powers throws with a lot more heat, a lot more dangerous intentions than Pagani. If you're watching this fight this weekend, you'll notice right away early on that when Power lands his power shots, 
they're going to be doing way more damage, getting more attention than what Pagani's landing. And that's going to hurt Pagani in terms of his body physically, also the scorecards. And I believe over the, over the course of that first two rounds, power eventually just breaks him down. The fight does not go the full distance, and power as a parlay piece are the betting spots we'll be looking at. Let's move on. Now, this fight here coming up, we're going to talk about this fight was added to the fight card very last minute. So give me a second here. Let me pull up uh, the screen I want to pull up. Uh, Cage Warriors. Mikula, uh, Mikula, Mikula. Hold on one second here. Uh, probably not the right screen, but we'll try. How about this one? All right, let's go. This is going to be a female bout. And we have an Italian versus Brazilian. This was added after we did our full breakdown. So I'm not going to fake the funk on a nasty dunk. I'm going to tell you, we didn't do a full breakdown. We didn't have a chance to watch film. And we just kind of dove into this with, you know, our, our eyes kind of closed. But we spent about 15 minutes looking at some information. These two fighters went over some of their basics, things you could find online. It became quite apparent to us pretty quickly that this appears to be a, a cupcake matchup for Segni. Uh, Mikol Di Segni is the Italian fighter. She's the home fighter. And once you look at her opponent, Amanda Torres, like there's almost nothing to like about Torres. And I mean that to be with all due respect. Here's their records here. Segni is 10 and 4 overall, 3 and 2 in her last five. She's Italian, 35 years old, getting, getting old. She's 5'3 with a 60 and a half inch reach out of Jackson Wink in Aurora Mixed Martial Arts. At the least, you know, 14 fights or so, some experience and has been exposed to some high level training according to Tapology. As for Amanda Torres, the Mexican fighter, she goes by Sardina, eight and six overall. I said Mexican, Brazilian, Brazilian, I'm sorry. Brazilian fighter with a Mexican last name. She's eight and six overall, two and three in her last five, 30 years old in 10 months, about to be 31, five, three, about the same height as her opponent and about the same reach out of Nova Uniao, an arena champ. So also has been exposed to good training. And that's what we have for the basics, right? Let me go over my notes here real quickly. So Segni by decision is a prediction. Based upon their resumes, we're going with Segni. Segni's from Italy. She's got the looks, and her opponent, Torres, is on a skid. Torres is four and five in her last nine MMA bouts. She's four and seven in her last 11, if you include her boxing matches. It seems pretty obvious what's going on here. This fight was a late addition, and the matchmakers are looking to, matchmakers are looking to give Segni a pretty easy win. So they're feeding her Torres. And look, Segni, I'm not saying she's going to you know, win a, a modeling contest, but she's tattooed up and she's got sort of like you know, Jessica Rose Clark thing going all tatted up, the bad girl thing. She might even have gauges in her ears. Um, so she's got that look and you know, she cares about her looks. Amanda Torres, for example, like very plain Jane. Uh, not, not that she's ugly, but just plain Jane, different type of look. So again, I think it's obvious going on here. I think Mikul does Segni will win this fight pretty easily. The fight goes over 2.5 rounds, and Segni to win are our betting spots we'll be considering here. But we probably won't bet on anything at all because, again, late edition, kind of tough here to gauge what we're going to expect, right? All right, moving up the car, we've got Mason Jones versus Alexander Ribeiro, a lightweight fight, 155 pounders. You might recognize the name Mason Jones, former UFC fighter, making his way now back to Cage Warriors, hopefully in on track to get himself back to UFC, right? We'll talk about that in a second. So Mason Jones goes by the Dragon. He's 11-2 and two overall, 2-1 two, two and one his last five out of Wales. 28 years young, 5-10 in high with a 74-inch reach up against Alexander Ribeiro, who's 20-11-1 overall, a lot of experience. He's 3-2 in his last five, 
out of Brazil, 31 years old, so similar in age, about three years older. He's 5'11 in height, about one inch taller, with a 74.4-inch reach. He's out of Nova Uniao, Manus, and for Mason Jones, out of Pedro Besas, BJJ. Not sure if that information is um, accurate or up-to-date, but uh, let's get to our notes here. So we like Jones into the distance. That's our prediction. This is the first fight for Mason Jones since getting cut by the UFC last year. It's a little surprising they let him go in the first place. He went 1-2-1 in the promotion, and he had a win over David Onama. Both of his losses in the UFC were by decision, so it seems like he he was kind of holding his own, and he's young. For whatever reason, the UFC let him go. Now, prior to the UFC, Mason was on was in Cage Warriors. He was a welterweight champion. He was 10-0. So Cage Warriors is welcoming him back, saying, hey, welcome back home, dude. We'll help you out. We'll nurse you back to health. Give you some easy matchups, build you back up, and hopefully get you back to the UFC. And they're giving him a match where it's like <laughs> he's going to win this fight with one hand. Um, and it makes sense. Again, build him back up, get him some wins, and then get him back on the market. If you don't know UFC and Cage Warriors, they were like this together. I mean, Cage Warriors fights are on UFC Fight Pass. You catch my drift. And you'll never see a Cage Warriors event conflicting with a UFC event. So Mason Jones here has a bit of a layup. Now, for Ribeiro, Brazilian Muay Thai-style fighter. Likes to work at range. He does a nice job of circling his opponents, getting away from getting away from danger, counter-punching, tons of stance switches, right? So he'll go back and forth, left to right, and he's got an effective lower leg kick. Ribeiro is at his best when he's moving around the cage and striking from range. If he slows down and stops moving, that's when he becomes a sitting duck. He tends to slow down considerably in the second half of the fights and later on in rounds. Like, first round, first part of the first four minutes, he's okay. Last minute, not so okay. And his hands drop, and they get lower and lower and lower. I would say a really good striker. I'm not saying Mason is that guy, but like a really good striker with a good jab probably shreds him with a jab for just all three rounds. His just hands are low. His head movement diminishes. His movement in general diminishes. Ribeiro's three and five in his last eight fights on the regional scene. Again, Mason Jones coming over from UFC. This guy's struggling in the regional scene. He hasn't faced the level of competition that Jones has had, no question. And for example, the combined record of Ribeiro's last three opponents, I'm sorry, the, la the last three people that he beat, the combined record of Ribeiro's last three wins, those opponents, is 18 and 24. Now, one last thing for Mr. Ribeiro. Durability is a major concern for him. He's been finished seven times. Yes, yeah, seven times. It seems to me like the matchmakers do exactly what they're doing here. They're giving Joe's not just a matchup that he could win, Jones is not a high-level finisher, but he'll probably finish Ribeiro. <laughs> Welcome back to the Cage Warriors, Mason Jones. Welcome back. The bets we like here for this fight. The fight does not go the full distance. Jones into the distance. And we'll go with Jones on the money line. Now, it depends. If Jones is like beyond minus 500, we're probably going to not parlay him. That exceeds our threshold. But if Jones is like minus 450, 400, whatever, throw him in your parlays with a ton of confidence. Let's move on. Dario Belandi versus Naglas Kaniskauskas. I'm going to call him Naglas, if you guys don't mind. Names are tough. All right. Their profile real quickly here. We've got um, Dario Belandi. He's the Italian. He's the home kid against Naglas, the smiling boy who hails from Lithuania. Shout out to Lithuania. Isn't that where um, Julia Stoyarenko's from? <sighs> The armbar girl, my goodness, right? So Dario's five and one overall. The Italian prospect is off to a good start. He's six foot three. He's out of Rendoki Dojo. No age on him, but I imagine he's around 28 to 30 years old based upon you know watching him fight and stuff. For Naglas, six and two overall. 
about the same experience out of Lithuania, 22 years old, so very young. And uh, he's also six foot three in height, which <laughs> I'll get back to that in a second here. All right. So as for our notes in this fight here, Belandi by decision is the prediction. But we did go back and forth with this one. It was not easy to get there. And I could see a world where Nagles could pull off a submission here, for example. I could see a world where he could actually get the win. Just seems like Belandi will get enough control time, position control, and then scrape himself out of decision win here in front of the home crowd. Now, they have similar experience. They're both the same size on paper. I don't think that's true, though, in real life. We'll talk about that in a second. And they both lost by decision to Will Curry, who's a decent fighter. He's okay. He fought last weekend. Now, combined, they have uh, combined half of their wins combined are by submission. So both guys can submit people, right? Now, when the fight hits the mat, we're curious who's going to be the better practitioner? Who's going to be the better BJJ guy? I don't know. If the fight makes it to the scorecards, we got to imagine the Italian fighter, right? gets the cheering and the crowd going and this fight's going to be the coming event. He probably gets the edge of the scorecards, maybe a split decision, right? There's also a chance the grappling can neutralize one another because they're both good grapplers. And so if they're both good enough, then we end up with just a stalemate. That's the reason why we think the fight could probably go to the full distance. Now, for N Naglas, the Lithuanian fighter, he looks younger. He looks spry. He's taller. He's longer. He gives us like vibes of Brandon All-In Allen. It's weird. Like when I first saw Naglas, I'm like, he's like a, he's like a younger, blonder, taller version of Brandon Allen. Allen, and in some ways, he actually fights like Allen. He will take risks. Like he doesn't mind mixing it up at times. Like even to a fault. Now most websites have these guys both listed as six foot three, according to Tapology. Same thing. But if you look at them physically, it's almost impossible that that could be the case, because Dario Bolandi has a dad bod, <laughs> right? No offense, got dad bod. It's okay, man. Sexy comes in all forms and shapes. But Naglas has a long build like an Olympic swimmer. So how can they both be six foot three and both be in the same weight class? I'm suspecting here the numbers are just off and that Naglas is going to be about an inch and a half, two inches taller, maybe even three inches taller than Dario. Because again, he's tall and long, long limbs the whole nine. And Dario's like, you know, chilling, you know, not missing not missing many meals in his pasta, right? Italian pasta, man. That must be so good over there in Italy. Anyway, uh, question here for ourselves is that can Naglas use the long limbs, the size to an advantage at range with striking? Eh, I don't know. His striking's kind of sloppy, but the triangle chokes from his back, any kind of guillotine chokes, the long arms, that's where he could pose a problem. Now, whoever wins the fight, I don't know going to win. It's going to be a banger. It's going to be a great fight. I think it's going to be Dario Bolandi, but if Nagas were to win, I'm not surprised. The lines are not out yet, but when they do come out, I imagine Bolandi will be the slight favorite, and it will be ever so slightly. The betting spots like for this fight going to be the fight going over 1.5 rounds, and the fight goes to decision. And we are up to the main event. This will be some for the flyweight strap, right, between Shakdil Haq and Michelle Mart. Mark Nogni? Oh, man. You know, these names are tough. And I apologize. Thank God I'm not announcing the fight, right? So, Hawk versus Michelle Mart Martignagi. <laughs> People probably who know how to say this name are probably laughing the hell out of me. It's okay. It's all right. All right. So, flyweight bout 125 pounders and Shock Deal goes by Superman. He's 15 and five overall, five in his last five. Nice winning streak out of England. 32 years old, and he's five for five and a half out of Ace MMA. For Mr. Michel Martignagni, the Italian Thunder, he's 8-1, and one, 
little less experience, but a nice winning percentage. He's three, one and one his last five. He's the hometown kid out of Italy, out of Rome, by the way. So, wow. He's going to have like his friends, his family, his kids. His, everyone's going to be there for him. 27 years old, probably doesn't even have kids yet. <laughs> um, out of Aurora Mixed Martial Arts. Okay, what do our notes say of the? Let's pull up their information here. So we like Hack, Shagdil Hack by round four TKO. That is our prediction. And I want to say before I get into this any further, I respect the heck out of what Michelle's doing, like his fighting style, and he definitely can win this fight. So I don't want to come off as like, oh, he's got no chance or no, no. This guy's, I came in thinking that Hack had the advantage on experience. And he does, you know, he's fought some good fighters. But once you put the film on Michelle, my man's got some good, good, like good foundation, good technique, jab, striking, pressure, pace, a lot of things to like about this guy. So let's get to this fight now. So Hack by round four TKO is the prediction for Martin Nagy, Michelle, or Michael, however I pronounce his name, Michael. He's a hot prospect from Italy with a balanced fighting style. He has wins over multiple Cage Warriors veterans. His striking is sharp, and he does an excellent job of countering. Michelle's footwork is on point, and he's disciplined about keeping his hands up. Bottom line, he's fundamentally, he's fundamentally sound. At only 27 years old, time is on his side. He has quality wins over Maya, that's Wesley Maya, and Dominique Wooding. The one area of Michelle's game that could use some attention is the finishing skills. He hasn't finished an opponent in five years. Michelle can get a little reckless at times when he's trying to march forward. He got clipped almost and clipped and almost finished against Wooding in his last fight. Now, to his credit, though, he came all the way back in that fight. I mean, he almost got finished in the second round. He came all the way back, showed a ton of heart, and actually got the win. One of his best attributes is pace and pressure. Now, as for Shakdil Hawk, he has shared the cage with some names you might recognize. His fighter history includes Zaga Zimagulov, Tajir Ulambekov, and Jake Hadley, all guys who spent time in the UFC. Now, Hack has earned his flyweight title. I'm sorry, Hack earned his flyweight title on New Year's Eve last year with a thrilling third round knockout win over Sam Creasy. That was his last fight. This will be his first title defense. He's only been stopped one time in 20 professional fights, and that was by Jake Hadley, who's in the UFC. So it's like, you know, half glass, half full type of thing, right? Hack's game plan probably includes dragging Michelle into the championship rounds. For those who are not familiar with this guy, Hack, his, his cardio is phenomenal. Okay. He can outpace almost anyone. And the later the fight goes, the more active it's. It's almost like he just he grows in strength. This fight has all the makings, all the ingredients of a complete, amazing, legendary finish of some kind. So I'm looking forward to the fight. After this fight, you'll have like an hour or two before UFC, so it gets you all worked up for UFC. But I'm going to go with Hack to win this fight by a TKO in round number four. From a betting perspective, the fight going under four and a half rounds. Fight does not go the full distance, and Hack as a parlay piece. And there you go, boys and girls. That's your full breakdown for Cage Warriors 158 coming up this Saturday with an 11.30 a.m. Eastern start time. Again, being held in the historic Rome, Italy. Before we let you go, I'm going to hit you guys with a few reminders and then also go ahead and give you our swift picks, right? We'll go over and give you our full card picks, the entire fight card, methods of victory in less than 60 seconds. And uh, I'll do that in just a moment. Before I get to that, reminder to please like, Please subscribe, share our content, tell people to come over to our channel. If you like Cage Words, we try to cover Cage Words as much as possible. I mean, it's not always on our radar or our menu, but we do the best we can. We covered it last weekend. We're covering it this, this weekend again. So if you like this content, let us know. Leave us a comment. If we gave some information today that was, or this video that was wrong or incorrect, correct us down below. We always stand to be corrected. Again, 15 total fights this weekend. The flyweight straps on the line, the main event. 
Mason Jones makes his return, first fight back after getting cut by the UFC. Please subscribe to our newsletter. That link is down below. We've got a free version and a paid version. Some handy-dandy information there, some research tools, film library, Excel sheets, data, 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 numbers, analysis by paralysis, the whole nine. We got it there for you. Here are your swift picks for Cage Wars 158. Florian Doshka by round one submission. Dario Palazzo by decision. Emmanuel Sabatino by decision. Giacomo Mikulis by round two ground and pound. Dan Dugis by round two triangle choke. Guido Posidenti by round three knockout. Sam Kelly by decision. Nico Saraglia by decision. Leon Hill by round two submission. Emmanuel Zakaria by round one submission. James Power by second round knockout. Nicole D. Segni by decision. Mason Jones by round one knockout. Dario Bolandi by decision. And in the main event, Shagdil Hogg by round four TKO. Those are your swift picks for Cage Warriors 158. Thank you so much for joining us for this Cage Warriors 158 breakdown. We hope you got something from this video. If you're betting on the fights, good luck. If you're just watching the fights, maybe this gave you some background on the fighters and helps you know these fighters just a little bit more. And again, keep an eye on Cage Warriors. A lot of these fighters will end up at some point, like maybe on Contender Series, getting a late call up. And I believe at least two or three guys on this fight card can find their way back into the UFC or in the UFC at some point. So thanks again for joining us. Please like and subscribe. We'll see you guys soon and good luck this weekend. Deuces.